And so we're going to have a look at Philemon. Have we all got Philemon? Have we all got our finger on Philemon? That's good. Um, and so it's about 23 verses, which isn't much. I thought what we would do is we're just going to read it all through together. Now, I'm reading from the ESV. So if you've got a different version, um, we have got a couple of copies of the ESV knocking around. I think they might all be out. Um, but just, you could probably Google Bible Gateway ESV Philemon and you'll get it within a minute or two. Um, so we're just going to read through it sort of slowly so we can all read it out loud. Is that all right? We're all going to read it out loud. Um, everyone participating, young and old, boys and girls, is that all right? Yeah? No one on Facebook or Twitter? Unless you're tweeting nice pictures of Doug and me, that'd be great to the nations. Um, we're going to read this out, and then what we're going to do, and I want you to kind of, I know it's hard to read and to think, for us guys it is anyway, at least. I'm still allowed to generalise like that, I think. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at three characters in this book, um, and so I'll just let you know just a bit of background to it. Um, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul um, to a guy called Philemon. Um, and the Apostle Paul is in prison. Um, they think it was when he was in Rome, around about AD 60, 61, uh, where a lot of his letters that were written when he was in prison were, were written. Um, so I think he wrote the le- letter to Colossae as well, um, one or two uh, Ephesians, I think. Um, and so he's writing this letter, and it's quite a short letter, um, and it involves a slave who he's befriended, who's become a bit like a son to him, and this slave had run off from the house that he was a, basically a slave in. Now, we shouldn't think of slave... If you've ever done, like, kind of Black History Month or anything like that at school, you think of, like, um, Af- African-American slaves, you know, that kind of slavery. Um, it's a different type of slavery. It's where people were in someone's house working, almost like a servant. And so this guy was a servant. Think more like... Downton Abbey kind of servant rather than shackles and chains slave, yeah? Well, that uses the word slave. Um, and so this guy was a servant in... Um, his name is Onesimus. Interestingly, his name means useful. So that's the meaning of his name. So if, I don't know what your name means. My name means something like Hill in the Marsh or something like that. It's a really uninteresting name, Gordon. The kids love that. Natalie's name means birth. Um, and so we've all... You know, all of our names have meaning. And so this guy, Onesimus, the slave, his name means useful... But he wasn't very useful to his servant, um, to his master, because he ran off. Um, And it looks like he stole from him. Um, And we'll see that in a minute. And so Paul is writing this letter back to the master, saying, I'm going to send this slave back to you. But actually he's found Jesus. He's more like a brother now. He's not a slave anymore. And I want you to forgive him. And so this is what's all going on. And so we're going to... And you've got to think of this, like, you know, servant going back to the master who he's wronged and, like, reconciliation, all that's going on. What, what powerful moment. Is he going to be received or rejected? And this letter's kind of Paul's instruction of what's been going on and how he wants him to receive him and his part in that. Is that all right? So I want you to think of, like, what's going on for... Um, not Onesimus, for Philemon. What's going on for Paul? And what's going on for Onesimus? Is that okay? So the three of them. So just try and put yourself in the place of each one of those as we read it. Okay, you ready? Nice and slow. We'll all speak out nice and loud. We should find a tempo quite quick. Right. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you, and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love 
and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner, also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that he might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner... If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Demos and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brilliant. Give yourselves a round of applause. You've just read one whole book of the New Testament. That's great. For some of you, that'll be the most you've read all year, probably. <laughs> it might be for me. Um, and so what we're going to do um, is I want you just on your tables, I would love you just to have a little chat about what does this speak to you. There's a lot going on, and I want you to think of those three main characters. I want you to think of the master, I want you to think of the servant, and I want you to think of Paul, who's kind of like reconciling both to one another in his writing um, what's going on how are people feeling and we're just going to kind of characterise each three of those in a minute is that alright so I'm just going to give you a few minutes to do that on your tables is that alright brilliant ok everyone we're going to start bringing it all I'm just going to give you like 10 seconds if you can just bring it all in. Um, I'm not going to ask for feedback from all the tables, just for the sake of brevity and obviously being in a larger group, it's much harder to try and get everyone recorded. Um, and so we looked at the three people. Who were the three people? So it's Philemon, Onesimus, and Paul. And Paul. And so looking at this, just shout out one or two things. Looking at the first one, Philemon, let's just shout out a few things, nice and loud, a few things. What's going on with Philemon? What can we tell from the story? Nice and loud. He thinks Onesimus is useless. He thinks Onesimus is useless, yeah. He believes in God. He believes in God, yeah. He's a stand-up guy. He's a church planter in his house. 
and, and he's encouraged lots of the saints. All the saints have been refreshed for you. So this guy's doing great work, but he thinks this other guy's useless. Um, who's run off with his stuff, it looks like. Other stuff to do with Philemon? What can we tell about him? He seems to be quite important. And he's obviously got a strong relationship with Paul. Paul's speaking straight to his heart. He knows the situation. They've obviously got a relationship. Is it fair to say that there's um, maybe some unforgiveness in his heart, it would seem, about a situation that Paul's obviously aware of? We hear about that. Yeah? So there's a a bit of an unresolved situation here. This guy's wronged him, and it needs sorting out. And and Paul actually says, the fact I'm sending him back to you is better for you than it is for me. So it's almost like the receiving of this estranged bondservant is actually going to bring a healing into the household of Philemon, which is really powerful, really powerful. It's better better for God's mission that he forgives this estranged bondservant and welcomes him in as a brother. It's a communication of what the gospel is. Great. So let's look at the next one. Onesimus... What have we got for Onesimus? So Onesimus has been transformed. In which way? From useless to useful. useful. So it's quite a funny play of words that his name is useful and actually he was useless to his master because he actually ran off and he wasn't trustworthy. Um, Like Chris had said, the helpful thing to remember is like the slaves then, the bond servants, they actually sold themselves into a household to be servants there so them and their families could be cared for because they maybe didn't have a profession, things like that. And so that was quite normal in like the culture um, then. And so it was a little bit more like Downton Abbey. These people were there. And if you were useless, well, you probably didn't have a place in the household. So the fact his name was useful and then he proved himself useless. And Paul's using this amazing play of words. He goes like, well, he was useless to you. Actually, he's really useful to me. And he's going to be useful to you when you receive him. Um, It's great. It's almost like his name is being restored to him. The meaning of his name, um, where actually he was like, oh, I'm meant to be useful and I'm actually useless. I'm in prison. And then he hears the gospel. He responds. Paul becomes like a father to him. He disciples him in the Lord. And Paul says, you know what? This guy is super useful. I wish I could keep him here but it's better that I send him. How sacrificial is that of Paul? You know, like, you guys have got an issue, you might as well just stay with me. He doesn't say that. So I'm going to send him to you, because as you receive him in, it's going to heal your heart. And that's going to be good for the gospel, because this guy's encouraging everyone. How much more is he going to be able to encourage people when he's got the joy of actually, man, this guy who was so far gone that he was robbing from me when I was trying to look out for him and provide for him has actually come back. It's like the story of the prodigal son. It's an amazing story. Isn't it? Like, Onesimus comes back, like, and Philemon's like the father, and, and Paul is in some ways like Jesus reconciling the two, because he, he says, whatever beef you've got with him, whatever the problem is, whatever he owes you, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's financial, stick it on me, put it on my shoulders. And that's like Jesus on the cross. It's a beautiful image. This is like the gospel. It's such a powerful communication of the gospel. It's beautiful. Uh, what do we see? Any more of Onesimus? Any more that we want to add on to that? So Onesimus, imagine the, the knot in his stomach as he returns back to the fam, that, that household. With this letter, he could very well be, be put to death, you know. It's, like, it's all on the line, um, but he gets, he gets restored. And like the prodigal son, he doesn't just go, let me come back. You know, I've been eating the pods, let me just come back as a, uh, as a slave in your household. No, Paul says, receive him as a brother. He gets an elevated position. He doesn't just get restored, he gets everything else. He gets mercy, which is the forgiveness, but he gets grace. He gets stuff credited to his account. And that's exactly what Jesus does to us on the cross. We don't just get forgiven of our sin, but we get the riches of heaven at our our disposal through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That should excite us. That's our, this is us. We are Onesimus. You are Onesimus. No matter how useless you think you are, either to the people sat around you, to your family, to your workplace, or to God, you are very, very useful. If you are in the hands of the craftsman, of the potter, of the one who made us, you are very, very useful. Onesimus knew it. He'd had a revelation about that, and I think that might have given him the boldness to, you know what, even if I die, I think that, because that's Paul's cry, isn't it, in another letter, even if I die, it's better to be with him than it is to be here in fear. You know, it's kind of like, I'm just going to go in, and I know it's going to be good for my master. And I trust he was truly repentant. He was truly, truly repentant. When he received the gospel, he's like, I've got to put this right. I'm sure he'd have been like that. We are Onesimus. You are Onesimus. How about Paul? What, what do we see in Paul as we look at this? What's going on? Yeah, so Paul is mediating between the two, between the master and between the, the servant. He's, he's reconciling them. He's a peacekeeper, isn't he? He's looking at these two people who are poles apart and he's trying as much as he can to reconcile them through the gospel, not through wise and persuasive words, but through the gospel. It's the gospel that unites him. I love the way that Paul doesn't exert his kind of gospel influence. He says, I could command you. I could tell you that the right thing to do in God is you've got to forgive him. But if his heart isn't changed, it's not really forgiveness. It's just an empty act, isn't it? It's a ritual. Like we've probably all been in churches where there are rituals. There are empty acts. We can take communion with our heart completely disconnected from God. It doesn't make much difference. We can go through baptism without having any faith and we're just having a bath. You know, like we're just having a shower. We're just getting wet, aren't we? That's what it's like. But if our heart is in it, there's a sacramental grace in these actions and I believe right here there's a huge sacramental grace because both of them would have felt such joy I love to think of the embrace that they probably had after this moment many of us are probably estranged from people that we love deeply I believe that Philemon probably really cared for this guy and that's why it hurt so much yeah really cared for him and he's like why has he wronged me why has he gone off and whether or not he, he wanted to forgive him or not, we don't really get a window into that. But Paul's using all this kind of like, he says, I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus. He doesn't say I'm a prisoner for Caesar. He says, I'm, a, and he's kind of using all this prisoner language. I think he's kind of setting Philemon up for the fact that, actually, you know, this guy is a prisoner indebted to you. If you forgive him, wow, that's, it's a beautiful image of the gospel. And so I think like for us, how can we be peacekeepers and peace bringers in our daily life? Who are those people who are estranged from us? How do we, even when they're not coming with Paul's letter asking for forgiveness, how do we carry in our heart a sense of wanting and desiring reconciliation without feeling frustrated and burnt out and wearied and burdened? Like, I've got a really fractious family. My sister died and like, there was so much mess in our family, a lot of unspoken words. And that's really heavy. You know, it's really heavy. Like for my mum, for me, a lot of unspoken stuff. You know, that kind of like families aren't, don't work how they should do, do they? Friendships don't always work as they should do. We do stupid things. People do stupid things to us. And that's what happens, isn't it? And when the gospel comes in, there's this beautiful image of reconciliation, but that's not always the foundation through which we, we live, is it? Sometimes people aren't being sent with Paul's letter they're just kind of still going off 
And so my encouragement would be, how do we, how do we wrestle that through in our own hearts? How do we navigate that through without it really becoming something that consumes us and owns us? What else do we see of Paul? Just maybe a couple more and then we'll bring it in with prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Paul takes ownership. He treats them both like sons, like you would with your own kids, right? Come on, we're going to sort this out. You love him. He loves you. Come on, let's sort it out. I know this has happened. Come on. And he just keeps doing that. And he's like, I could command you and just tell you you're going to say sorry, but I want you to do it. And I want you. Come on, it's good for you, you know. And like we're like that with our kids. My parents were like that with me. You know, that, that's good. That's how we do it, isn't it? It's like we try and reconcile. And Paul's doing that. He says, like, literally, Onesimus is like a son to him. It's beautiful. He's like a son. He says, and I'm sending my very heart to you. Don't trample on it. It's what a beautiful... He's like, you know, he's trying to communicate something of, like, you should feel the same for this, for this estranged brother. It's a beautiful image. And I, I, just a couple of little points that I was seeing in there, but I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. So Paul is in prison at the hands of the Romans... Um, he's, you know, like not really doing his gospel advancing stuff that he'd probably love to do, you know, reasoning in the Hall of Tyrannus and all that, trying to engage with people. Um, he could be all a bit chewed up and bitter. He, he shouldn't be in prison. And actually, while he's in prison, what's he doing? He's praying for people that he's met along the way. Um, and he's under an immense pressure and persecution. And so my, my, my question would be, when you're under immense pressure and you get squeezed, what comes out? Is it prayer? Is it prayer? You know, like, I know when I get squeezed, it's often not prayer that pops out. You know, you can ask my family. I'm not going to say any more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but do you know what I mean? It's like, like what pops out? Like when that pressure comes, and Paul has been con- conditioned in an amazing way, and I think he's not like, this is, Paul is like Jesus, isn't he? But I don't think in an unattainable way. Paul is just like us. But he, but he prizes Jesus in such a way, and he's got such a heart for other people. I love it. He's affirming all the way through it. Affirming all the way through. He's loving, he's caring, he's encouraging, he's, he's, he's not getting volatile. He's setting him up. He's like, I do actually want some stuff from you. Um, you know, I've never really wanted much from you, but I want something now. Help my heart. Receive your estranged brother. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. And so what we're going to do, just on the tables, we're not going to do much. I'm going to pray. But what we're going to do is just take a couple of minutes. I know people have cars they need to get back to and stuff. Just think of what does this mean to you? Are you far from God and you need to come back to him? A bit like the prodigal son. Are you someone who would say, actually, I am Anissimus and I've not returned yet for forgiveness and reconciliation? That would be a beautiful prayer to pray. Or is it that actually there's something going on in my life right now and I need reconciliation and I'm not sure that they're coming with the letter. How do I give this to God and trust him in that? How do I navigate through that without kind of losing sight of what comes out when I get under pressure? Is that all right? So we're all going to just do that. I think it's probably relevant to most of us. Most of us probably know someone who's far from God or ourselves are kind of a bit, we need reconciling with someone. Or we know someone that that's relevant to. Often it's the person sat next to us who needs recognised someone else. But I think for each of us, it's about us. You know, this is about us, and it's about him. Is that okay? So I'm just going to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you're a good father. And you're just like Paul. You reconcile us to God. And we thank you so, so much for this beautiful image of the gospel that's so obvious in this 
small letter. Uh, Lord, we pray that it would resonate in our hearts. We pray that you would do something in us that would change us. Um, Lord, thank you that that's what you're about all the way through. This is transformation. Everyone's being transformed by this situation. It's going to bring joy to Paul. It's going to bring healing to these two estranged brothers. And actually, it's going to fuel your mission beyond that. And so, Lord, we pray for that for ourselves. Where there's anything in and around either our relationships together or with our wider family or friends, we pray, Lord, that you would bring healing and reconciliation in through your kingdom presence um, in only the way that you can by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we offer every broken situation to you and say, Lord, come and bring healing into hurting hearts, we pray. Amen.